Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined as always by publisher Adam Jacoby and managing editor Ross Binder here on this episode. And boy, oh boy, we are getting all the names, all the guys coming back, almost, almost, not all of them, but almost all the guys coming back to the Iowa defense. Nick Jackson announced yesterday Scott Doctorman was the first on the news. And not only Nick Jackson coming back, but we know Sebastian Castro, Jamari Harris, Luke Lachey, Jay Higgins are all on their way back as well. No Cooper. He's headed off to the NFL, but still waiting on Quinn Schulte as well. So we usually start this off with Adam. Adam, I'm going to hit you first. Um who who's uh who's the biggest returner of this group so far of these five Higgins Lachey Harris Castro Jackson which one's the one that jumps out to you it's like that's the biggest difference maker right there you know that's a tough question because I'm not sure that there is a number one answer and that's a good thing for the Hawkeyes because you could absolutely make the case that the most impactful returner is going to be I don't know All-American Jay Higgins you could make the case that it is Nick Jackson, who was super productive in his first year with the program after only joining it in May. And this is the Phil Parker defense. It's not just go out there and if you screw up, fine. This is a top five defense, and he still had 110 tackles in his first year with the program, and it wasn't even a full 12 months. Or you could look at Sebastian Castro, who played like an All-American, probably deserved more end-of-season credits than he got, especially from the Big Ten coaches. And bringing him back onto the defense as well adds just that more uh, veteran leadership, that violence in his tackling, those instincts. Had Castro left, and I think the same goes for Jay Higgins, and I think the same goes for Nick Jackson, which is why I can't choose between the three. But if any of those three had left, I don't think Iowa could have replaced fully their fit in this system with anyone who was going to be available on, in the transfer portal, anyone who's just going to be stepping into this for the first time. The fact that you get that veteran leadership, that culture fit, that familiarity with the program, and you get it with Higgins, Jackson, and Castro all in one offseason – I mean, that is, this is Christmas 2.0 for Hawkeye fans, especially if they like the defense. And again, that not everybody <laughs> is, is clamoring to see more help for the defense. I, you know, I, I've seen a few people on Twitter say that, and hey, I get it, but this is everything Phil, almost everything Phil Parker could have asked for. Uh, Ross, can you choose somebody? Because I can't. Yeah, I mean, I think I would cheat a little bit also, and uh, I think on defense, Higgins is the biggest one for me. And on offense, I mean, I guess it's kind of a, a one of one. But I think Lachey is a really big a returner, just obviously for the offense, but just overall, just to have his leadership uh, and his talent back. I mean, he was probably, if he stayed healthy, I think had an excellent chance to be Iowa's leading receiver this year, um, you know, for whatever that meant given this offense. But I, I do think he will be a leading receiver for Iowa next year. And, you know, he's he's going to absolutely be that next great, you know, Iowa tight end in the NFL that, you know, following in the footsteps of uh, Kittle and Hawkinson and Fant and Laporta, who, you know, those guys just had a phenomenal year this year. 
Uh, I think Lachey, you know, give him a, if he can stay healthy next year. Uh, I think he'll play his way into the top three rounds of the draft next year. He'll make some NFL team extremely happy. Um, but before that, he's going to make Iowa fans extremely happy next fall because he's going to be that reliable uh, pass catcher uh, and blocker and just, you know, everything. He's a great all-around tight end. Uh, and so having him for the offense next year, whatever the, the offense looks like with the new coordinator uh, and whoever the new quarterback, well, I mean, probably Cage, the quarterback, but um, having Lachey there will be just a phenomenal asset for the offense. Uh, and then Higgins, I mean, you said it all already, like just his leadership, his tackling ability, his familiarity with the defense. I mean, Iowa could not replace that with either anybody on the team already or from uh, a portal addition. So getting getting that back for one more year, I think, is is, is invaluable for uh, the heart of Iowa's defense, both like schematically and just like you know, figuratively or emotionally, I think he is that that heart of the defense right now. So, yeah, I think those two returnees to me are uh, phenomenal, just immensely important additions and really raise the ceiling for what Iowa can do next season in terms of because of having those returning guys versus, you know, breaking in new guys either through the portal or uh, through internal development. One, uh, what, a, a couple really quick things to to add here. One, uh, I'm I'm also excited for Luke Lachey because we'll actually have a proper uh, opportunity to get the big play Lachey nickname uh, off the ground. I, you know, I thought it was going to be money in the bank this year, and we just didn't get an opportunity on that. And then two, let's also talk about or or just make sure that we mention guys like Jamari Harris and Y.A. Black coming back too, because those are positions where Iowa would, if they hadn't come back, Iowa would really be facing some questions in depth, uh, both at cornerback and at defensive tackle. And so getting those guys back, I mean, yeah, you know, you, you are losing a guy like Noah Shannon. You are losing a guy like uh, Cooper DeGene. So there is going to be some rebuilding at those units. So when you can get some of that talent back, some of that uh, experience, it's going to be a godsend. So in some way, getting a guy like um, Harris or like Blackback might be just as helpful for uh, the defense as, you know, your, your higher profile guys like Higgins, et cetera. So just wanted to make sure that I shouted those guys out too, because those are going to be very important for 2024. Elliot, I've wasted enough time. What about you? <laughs> so uh, I didn't even include YA Black on our outline, and uh, we were the ones that broke that news. So uh, way to go, Elliot. But anyway, um, of, of this group of guys, I, I think the immediate go-to is Jay Higgins, right? I mean, All-American. And, and when you look at the combination of him and Nick Jackson both back, we're talking about probably, oh, man, I there have been some really, really, really good duos in the middle of the Iowa defense. Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson in that middle has to be right up there with them. And I, I've seen I've seen some folks say, oh, one of the best duos in the Big Ten or one of the best duos in the country. I don't know how you look at that and say it's not the best duo in the country. That's almost 300 tackles combined between these two guys. And if Nick Jackson comes back and registers 117 tackles, he'll be the all-time leader in tackles ever in NCAA football history which is insane to that in five years he didn't even redshirt a single year 
between UVA and Iowa. He'll have that record. He gets 117 tackles. And I would put my money on it because he had 110 this year. Like, excuse me, <laughs> choked on my own spit. Adam, like you said, 110 tackles in his first season in the Phil Parker defense. Played a lot of coverage to start the season, a lot. And then you could gradually see Phil Parker kind of letting the reins go and letting him do what he needed or, you know, letting him do his thing on on the off or excuse me, the defensive side of the ball, just flying around, making tackles, getting after the quarterback from time to time, especially with Cooper out. And uh, I, I think you almost have to go to both of them when you're talking about the one who's coming back because they're both coming back and they're, they're together in the middle of that uh, Iowa defense. And then, I mean, I, the thing with Lachey and Castro to me is that you don't go out and improve via the portal with those two positions at Iowa with these two guys. That's, that's, that's the thing that, that Ross alluded to. And you can get a certain level of production with the guys who are behind them. Because I, I we've talked about Cohen Entringer before. He played a lot of, of that cash position over this last month. So I think he would have been a plug-and-play guy there. And I think Addison Ostrango would have been great at tight end this year. But you get that added level of production with these guys because they've been there, done that. They've done it at a really high level. Luke Lachey is going to be an NFL tight end. Sebastian Castro is going to play in the NFL one way or another, whether it's special teams or on at corner or at, at safety. He's going to play somewhere, and he's going to be damn good at it. He's going to pop you in the mouth. And then you mentioned Y.A. Black and Jermari Harris for depth reasons. Y.A. Black was arguably the best defensive tackle for Iowa this year between him and Aaron Graves. I mean, him, Aaron Graves, Logan Lee, like how do you exactly choose between those three? I look at the production, I guess, but but YA could play the one tech or the three tech in that defense because he's big, but he's also long. And that'll be really beneficial for them at the defensive tackle position next year. Obviously they still got Graves. They still got Jeremiah Pittman, but you you're going to need a, a fourth guy. And we all assume that was going to be Ontario Thompson now it's it's more so up in the air, probably a guy like Luke Gaffney. But uh, we'll see how how that shakes out. And then when you look at Jamari Harris coming back, you have two guys in him and Deshaun Lee who have played a lot of reps, a lot of snaps at both of those corner positions. So you're not going back to a TJ Hall who was hurt for the majority of the year, but you're not going back to a TJ Hall who the one time we've really seen him play extensive snaps was in that Nebraska game. And that does not define who TJ Hall is by any means. I'm sure he learned a lot this year. I'm sure he learned a lot on the sidelines. Um, and and he has played a, a, some good snaps on special teams as well. But having him as your third guy this year and getting another set of reps going into his, what will be, I think, his redshirt sophomore year, either that or his, his junior, I think it's redshirt sophomore year, um, given this yeah. year and how few games he played. Either way, going into his... Well, no, that'd be his redshirt junior year and be next season. This coming seat, this coming season, he will be a redshirt sophomore. The season after that, he'll be a redshirt junior. Okay. Math and stuff is hard. Um, but anyway, obviously no Cooper coming back. And first thing you think is just a fan of the sport is damn, right? Damn. We would have loved to see him play again this coming season, but Kid from small town, Iowa, same school district as me, as I've said a gazillion times to see him go on and probably be a first round draft pick next season. Damn, that's cool. 
damn, that's that's great. And he did it in three years at Iowa. He didn't go to Ohio State. He didn't go to Penn State. He didn't go to Michigan. He didn't go to any SEC school. Um, and and so really happy for Cooper. I don't know about you guys. He follows me back on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> I, sent, <laughs> I sent him a I sent him a DM and just said, hey, congrats. Excited to see what you do. So um, excited about that. Also disappointed that we really didn't get the full glimpse of what he could have done because of that injury and because he's he's gone after this year, which, again, really sucks. But it's also awesome to see him achieve a childhood dream and and go on to probably be a first-round NFL draft pick here in a few months. Um, last name we got to hit uh, is, is Quinn Schulte, if he comes back or not. We've been uh, – Trying to figure that out. What happens? I I don't know about you guys. I thought he was going to be like the first one to announce he was coming back because he's not the NFL. He doesn't have that prediction of of being a necessarily even a draft pick like Jay Higgins, like Nick Jackson, um, like Luke Lachey. If he had stayed healthy, he would have been a draft pick this year, and he probably would have been anyway. But um, he doesn't have that luxury. I, I just would honestly be kind of shocked if Quinn Schulte doesn't come back. How about you, Ross? Uh, yeah, I've been leaning towards him coming back since the end of the season. Um, like you said, he's not a, a surefire draft pick the way a lot of these other guys are. He's he's much more of a fringe guy, probably more likely to be a uh, post-draft signing, you know, earn a spot in training camp uh, type of thing. So, yeah, if you've got one more opportunity to come back and, and you know, play at Iowa, play – Parker's defense uh it seemed like you know that's what he would do but you know obviously he's considering his options and um it's not an easy slam dunk decision for him because he hasn't made it yet so um you know obviously we got to respect his decision and uh you know we'll find out when he when he makes that decision but uh I I was like you I was thinking he was of all the guys that were in that are they coming are they going uh bucket I was definitely thinking he was more towards the, oh, yeah, he'll definitely be back since he's got the the extra year. Um, and and he's, he's not back yet. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Adam, what yeah, were you I, uh, seeing? Well, I, I was sort of in the same boat as you guys. I was, I was pretty surprised that uh, Schulte hasn't really made it official yet, which sort of tells me that the decision isn't strictly a football decision, right? It, it could be. he might be looking at the feedback that he's getting from the next level and saying, all right, if this isn't going to be my future, then, you know, why take 12 more months of hits or, you know, 14 games, you know, more worth of hits. I'm not, again, it's just speculation because we're not really getting that, that feedback from his camp and and we're sort of uh, trying to read the tea leaves here, but that is another scenario that uh, is, you know, plausible. Uh, that that being said, it's pretty obvious that if he does want to play football, he's going to make the biggest impact at Iowa as opposed to anywhere else in 2024. So, you know, we are we're waiting on the word back on that, just like everybody else, obviously, especially for this defense and for the role that uh, free safety plays and for the amount of trust that Phil Parker has in Schulte uh, to uh, execute that free safety, to make uh, those calls, which we're told are every bit as, um, you know, complex and impactful as the ones that uh, Jay Higgins is making at the mic. I, I think Jay said it was even uh, a bigger responsibility for Quinn, but Jay is that, you know, he's also the sort of guy that would say that even if it weren't entirely accurate. Um, so, you know, 
a lot to figure out there with uh, Quinn. And ultimately, you know, I am leaning that he would come back just because from a football sense, it would make the most sense. But it, this is sort of an object reminder that these guys are making decisions based on, you know, personal factors that we don't really have that access to. And if that leads them away from the gridiron, you know, it doesn't make them a worse teammate. It doesn't make them, you know, a worse competitor or anything like that. They've got to make their decisions based on their best interest because, you know, who else is going to do it if they don't themselves? So. We'll, we'll see where that one shakes out. And, you know, one other name to throw out there along these same lines is Logan Lee. We don't know precisely what he's going to do. And we haven't yeah, heard we, one iota. We, we do for sure. We do. Yep. Yep. He okay. said after the, the Big Ten championship, he was he was done. And he's already accepted a uh, invitation to one of those senior bowl things. Okay. Not the right. not the Reese's senior bowl or anything. But, yeah, the, the, I thought you were going to say Eric All, actually. Um, oh, oh, well, uh, we I think we understand that he's not coming back to Iowa. Right. Yeah. That's the that's the uh, the general narrative. But w- was there anything you're going to say there, Adam? No, you're right. I, I had absolutely spaced the fact that he had accepted the invitation to that whatever senior bowl or hula bowl or whatever it was. But yeah, you're right. So, OK, that name's off the list and we can cut this part out and post. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that is, I mean, that's where this team sort of finds itself at this point, which is, I would say, probably better than most people expected for this amount of decisions uh, for pro and, and for this amount of NFL caliber play of the guys who were making these decisions. You look at this list, most, most of those guys are going to play on Sundays, and most of them will hear their name called as opposed to free agent offers, I would wager. So Iowa getting all these back or all these guys back is one, a credit to the coaching staff. And two, one factor that I haven't really seen discussed a whole lot here. It's a win for NIL. It's a win that these guys, you know, NIL and the swarm don't have to completely replace an NFL contract, right? All it has to do is make sure that these guys are going to be comfortable for their senior year, right? They're never going to have to worry about money. And they can be there back with their teammates again. And they don't have to make the choice between getting a paycheck and, you know, playing for exposure and scholarship, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is all of a sudden it's an easier decision to come back than it had been before. And I think we are seeing the uh, fruits of that. And if there weren't NIL money dollars, you know, whether it's the specific deals or whether it's that, um, you know, the public service, um, you know, compensation that they do. If it weren't for either of those two things, I don't think for a second Iowa's return list would look like it does on this one. So uh, credit to the Swarm, credit to NIL, credit to everything that helps make these athletes make decisions that are better for them and their family. So just wanted to, to point that one out. So before we get off the topic of of Schulte and, and move on a little bit, um, there, there are two things that I that I wanted to address here. Is is one with Quinn? Unlike the other guys, we've said it. He's not a guaranteed guy to get drafted by any means. He's a Jack Kerner who has to wait, and he gets signed, and he goes on. This is a guaranteed extra year of football that you otherwise don't guarantee. Um, I, I, I don't 
exactly see the negative here for him, truthfully. I don't see any negative for coming back because he's still going to get NIL money. And he's going to be playing football and arguably the best defense, one of the best defenses with the best defensive back coach, best defensive coordinator in the country in Phil Parker. He's playing next to a five-star in Xavier Wampa. And he's got all these other guys coming back too. there. I don't, I don't see truly any negative football wise. Obviously we don't, we don't know the specifics of his uh, personal life or, or whatever, not saying that there's anything going on there exactly, but you know, um, we, we just don't know. There's, there's more to foot, more to life than football for these guys, believe it or not. So um, that's, that's up in the air football wise. I don't see a negative. Um, Secondly, the other thing is, as you can see, my girlfriend's dog in the background, um, is that Cohen Entringer has played that cash spot over this month of prep. And I think that's probably where he fits best. But if Quinn does decide to move on, Cohen will probably play in that free safety spot. And Cohen is, he was, I think, a high three-star, had an offer from Michigan, some other bigger schools, and chose Iowa. I'd have to look at his rival's profile. He's a high three-star, 5.73 star with uh, lots of potential. hes I've only talked with him a little bit, but he's been really fun to talk to. I, I think that he's a guy that you kind of have to figure out ways to get him on the field at this point in time. And if Quinn comes back, they'll do that again. They'll figure it out one way or another. He did see snaps on the field this season at a corner position. It was kind of when they had more DBs out um, than, than anything, but um, Cohen's been, been really good in any sort of developmental spot that, that he's been put in. And, and I, I think that when you have that type of athlete, you kind of have to figure it out. Um, Ross, do you agree with me there? Do you think he fills in in that free safety spot if, if Quinn moves on? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the depth chart literally had him listed behind Schulte, so that's a, a good okay. sign. The coaches <laughs> the coaches see him there too. Um, I think you're right. He's a natural fit at the uh, the cash position too. If, you know, if Castro had left, he would have fit in there. Uh, if something happened, <clears throat> you know, hopefully Castro stays healthy all year. We, we don't wish anything otherwise, but if he doesn't, you know, I think and Entriger could uh, or Cohen could could fill in there, but I agree. Like, you know, he's a lot of just tremendous athletic ability. We saw uh, some really good flashes of that I, this season, especially on special teams. You know, he had some some really standout plays there. Um, so, yeah, I think that I agree that he's a guy that um, you want to find ways to get him involved. Like for sure, he's going to be, you know, a fixture on special teams. And then, you know, with the ones on defense, yeah, it's just like, where can you squeeze him in? Like, does he get a, a few snaps at safety? Does he, uh, you know, get a few snaps at cash? If Castro needs a breather or something, who knows? Like, he's a guy that you're right. Like, they got to find some ways to get him involved because he's he's got a lot of ability. And, you know, next year, for sure, he's going to be one of the key guys on that that secondary, you know, with uh, Castro for sure gone, Schulte, if he comes back, we'll be gone. Harris will be gone. Like there's going to be a lot of, a lot of turnover in the secondary next year. That's uh, unavoidable. Um, so the more snaps, I think you can get him this year to get him ready for a big role in 2025. Uh, that'll be really a really clutch move. I think. I'm curious now that we're looking a little bit further ahead to maybe 2025. Um, once, once Castro and Schulte are definitely gone, are we looking at, and this is again, this is this is probably getting a little bit too far ahead of myself. Are we looking at John Nestor? I think he's going to be more of a corner. That's what we've seen on the depth chart as well. Um, but are we looking at 
uh, Zach Lutmer filling in that spot at that free safety spot? Are we looking at, you know, maybe a walk-on that it fills in like Schulte did? I mean, this recruiting class, this 2024 recruiting class has, I think, three guys that they're bringing in as safeties that are that are walk-ons in Kyler Girardi, Drew Larson. And I'd have to look at, I, I guess you could consider Graham Eben, but he's kind of linebacker, tweener, safety, potentially a cash guy. I'd have to look at, at the rest of the list. But I know Drew Larson and and Kyler Girardi are guys that they're looking at to, to bring in at safety. Um, and I'm going to look at the rest of the list. Adam, we're talking about what we're talking about here, unless you have something to add here, Ross. Um, when and if Schulte moves on, obviously we're talking about Cohen stepping into that free safety spot. But looking into even further ahead to like 2025, when Schulte and Castro are definitely gone, we're probably thinking entering her at the cash. And then is it Lutmer at free safety? Is it? A walk-on. I mean, there are several walk-ons in this class. Um, in in Drew Larson, Kyler Girardi, and another who I got to find here. I can't think of him off the top of my head. Um, that that could step in, and I'm sure there are other guys. There are other walk-ons that are playing that free safety spot too. Yeah, you know, I, I think Cohen is. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, I think Cohen is going to be uh, at or near the top of the list for um, candidates for safety if that's where. The, the coaches want him. Uh, and, you know, you, you guys mentioned John Nestor. I, I agree that he slots in more at corner based on what we've seen from the uh, depth charts at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I think we are going to see. Also, let's let's not forget that Devin Hilson is in this mix. Uh, he is somebody that has uh, his name has come up multiple times from players in terms of the guy who's starting to really make that leap. And the fact that he's doing it on special teams first tells me that we could be looking at a corner role for him. We might be looking at a safety role. We might be even looking at cash for Devin. So that is, I, I think that's an area where we could see uh, some growth out of him uh, to, to finally see him step up because, you know, we hear it from the coaches, we hear it from the players, like he has been practicing really well and we haven't really seen him make it onto the field because of, you know, I was a good problem of so much depth. Uh, I, I, I think on worse defenses, he would be playing already and probably doing pretty well. So I, I think that we're going to see him uh, sort of step into that role as um, the depth progresses as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing it, uh, not only as a fellow uh, Des Moines Public School product, but, you know, he is, when we hear one player's name, from so many people, uh, you know, so many teammates, and I, I would say uh, three or four different teammates in, you know, over the course of the season, whenever I ask about uh, young guys stepping up, you know, we, we we hear Cohen's name, we hear John's name, and we hear uh, Devin's name quite a bit. So getting him on the field, getting that consistent playing time and production, I think is going to be really helpful for his development as a player. And whether that's going to be in 24 or 25, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So I mentioned Lutmer too, because he did get some special team snaps later in the year, at least at the bowl game. Ross, I know you keep track of that. Did he receive any other special team snaps this season or was it just the bowl game? He did. Yeah. He played earlier in the season and then he was, he was out for, didn't play at all for a handful of games. And then he was at the end, he was one of the guys in on the bowl game. So yeah, he, he definitely saw special teams action. Yeah. And, and those are the guys that you tend to look at and say, oh, OK, well, got to pay attention to them going forward. Yeah. So he and he and Nestor, 
as well as Zach Ortworth, who did receive some snaps um, at tight end later in the year due to injury, are some of those guys in that freshman class. Now, we're talking about the portal as a byproduct of all these guys coming back. We have, us three, have gotten a list of all the players on scholarship, and it is a lot. So they're very, like, this this line of 85 scholarships is really up in the air. I don't know how in the hell they would have signed Ty Thompson had he come back. Uh, by the way, we were the first, uh, the ones on uh, him not coming back. You can become a premium subscriber today. Learn that kind of information faster than everybody else. Um, do that at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. And so with that situation, first, that's the that's the first thing you got to talk about. Like people are saying, oh, we got to get another quarterback. Oh, we got to get a wide receiver in the portal. Well, freaking where? <laughs> like, where are you getting the scholarship? One. And two, I, I put it on our board for our subscribers to vote is like of these positions, which, which one are you prioritizing in the portal? If, if there is a scholarship to use and I, I say scholarship because it looks like if they're going to have any, it's going to be one. Um, and, and that one is going to be pretty valuable and I, I'll have to go back and look, but I believe I said offensive tackle or, you know, offensive lineman in general, defensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver, and then other, I'll have to look here, um, at, at that list and I'll, I'll do that here momentarily, but if you're looking at a position to use one scholarship on out of the portal, who are you guys going after? Um, I, I, there, there are obviously those several positions that you can look at that you can consider, but you can only use one scholarship in this made up scenario and maybe like actual scenario for all we know. So Adam, what, what position are, are you going after with your one scholarship? It's offensive tackle. It is it quickly and, we saw some limitations out of Mason Richmond and Jennings Dunker this year that may or may not be something that they can fix by uh, September 2024. When they go up against elite edge rushers, it's a little bit difficult for both of those guys. And they're going to be in the Big Ten, which even before all those West Coast, you know, everybody runs a 4-5 uh, team show up, even before all the Pac-12 teams show up, the Big Ten is full of great pass rushers. Even the bad teams have great pass rushers every single year. So Iowa getting a first-round caliber or a draft caliber, high draft caliber offensive tackle in the portal, one, the proof of concept is there for a, for a transfer, Right. Because Rusty Feth came in right away, played pretty much right away, even though his path to the field wasn't, you know, perfectly paid for him in gold. I and mean, he and he still made it there and, and got through the, uh, you know, little bumps in the road there. And, you know, is Mason Richmond going to get that much better in this offseason? Is uh, Jennings Dunker going to, you know, get that lateral quickness that, he really needed against those, excuse me, uh, NFL type pass rushers. Or is that something that, especially now that, I mean, let's just say you don't have to uh, try to find money for Cooper DeGene uh, in, in Swarm and NIL and all that. If it's available, 
And if the scholarship is available, do you say we're throwing everything at one great tackle and just try to keep our quarterback's jerseys clean for a year? I, you know, I think that is as much of what Iowa needs, especially if the new offensive coordinator doesn't have some magical way of scheming his quarterback out of pressure or or somehow knows how to teach pocket management better than we've seen from Iowa quarterbacks in the past. You know, I mean, we just got to sort of say it. At some point, you have to be able to keep your quarterback upright. And right now, on the edges of that offensive line, Iowa is not quite where they want it to be. And adding more skill position guys or or what have you is probably not going to bridge that gap as much as strengthening the offensive line. Ross, would you agree with that? I think so. I mean, I'd like to disagree just so we can have some kind of point-counterpoint thing. But I think it would be disingenuous. Like, I... To me, the receiver, the quarterback, the D D lineman, like those are, I wouldn't say luxury needs because Iowa does have legitimate needs for big time production at those positions that may or may not be able to be satisfied by the current options on the roster. I mean, we're we're going to hope so that with you know with another year's development that the guys they have there will be able to to produce, but. Uh, I, I think you're right that offensive linemen and especially offensive tackle is a position where there are some real limitations, pretty significant limitations from what we've seen on the field from the options there. And that that limitation has to be addressed and improved, or there's just a real, you know, a real significant ceiling on what this offense can achieve. If there's always pass rushers, you know, getting around the edge and harassing the quarterback or blowing up running plays or, or whatever it happens to be like that until that gets fixed, it's hard to, you know, fully address, you know, a a receiver that can get downfield and, you know, open up the passing game or, uh, you know, a better, a more accurate quarterback or whatever. Um, Although, I mean, let's be honest, I was not bringing another starting quarterback this year. It doesn't seem like, um, but I don't know. So, uh, yeah, offensive lineman for me as well. I I would probably I would say offensive lineman. Um, I said tackle specifically because the tackle play was pretty pretty bad in several games this year. When we're talking about these blowout losses, the the losses where they got shut out. Richmond and De- Jennings Dunker were dominated. Like the Penn State game, Iowa couldn't yeah. do anything. Chop Robinson, field day. For a three-year starter at left tackle, Mason Richmond, man, I just don't know that he's really grown that much. And you look at Jennings Dunker, and I know some folks look at him, and you know, maybe myself included, I'd have to to really sit down and and I think what I'm gonna do is is sit down and like watch all the film and just actively not watch the ball from this season and really just see who did what on the offensive line. And I, I need to get better at, at doing that in the season, but um, talking about those guys, I know some folks have said Jennings Dunker is a guard, like, you know, he just needs to stay at guard, but now you've got Colby back and you've got um, uh, Nick DeYoung coming back as well. So he's a guy that we didn't reference, but he announced pretty early that he was coming back. Not exactly a guy who you're yay. Nick DeYoung's coming back, but um 
it's just not a lot of if we're it's just just they're not the monsters on Melrose, so to speak. They're just not, and they're kind of the opposite. The when you're playing against teams like they did this year, where they got blown out, and your tackle play is like that. That's a huge reason why you got blown out. That's why you can't score the football. Yeah, it is. I, I will say this. The offensive line got better in 2023 compared to 21 and 22, but that's only because the bar was subterranean at that point. At the very least, Iowa was able to put five guys on the field who belonged out there, and that wasn't the case in the last two seasons. So, let's not you know talk about the line as if you know guys just show up and they leave you know four years later as you know still as skilled as they were as freshmen and, and no better because we do see some improvement but Elliot you're right the the high-end play on the line those guys who are you know obvious first team big 10 linemen I mean the last one was going to be you know uh Tyler Linderbaum, and, and he's almost the exception that proves the rule on the line, right? Because he was so much better than the teammates that he graduated away from. And, and honestly, better than the guys that have come since, up to and including Logan Jones, who really had a lot of uh, uh, credit coming in and, and a lot of praise from the coaches and who has not been bad by any stretch. I mean, that he's well-liked. He's probably the best lineman of the five on the line, but there is a gap between Linderbaum and Logan Jones. And, and you know, I, I think any rational fan would say the same thing. And when you get that departure in talent across the board, right? Because again, we're not talking about any of these guys as first team All-American, first team All-Big Ten, first team All, you know, really much of anything yet, there, I, there is potential, otherwise they wouldn't be on the field. But until that level of play rises back up there, absolutely right. Iowa's offense is stuck in something less than its highest gear. And it doesn't really have the offensive skill position players, whether it's under center or whether it's uh, on the perimeter, they can't make up for that. They they don't have the like all-world skill to clean up mistakes that are fundamental on the offensive line. And that's going to, when you're recruiting to a school like Iowa, that's just always going to continue to be the case. So absolutely the offensive line improvement, not only, you know, if Iowa gets a scholarship and brings in a guy, great, but what really needs to start happening as much as it used to happen is that development from prospect to masher on the field. We've seen the staff do it over and over and over, but we haven't seen a whole lot of it recently. And uh, guys, as we're sitting here, I'm not really sure who that next great lineman on this line is. Not. Cade Piper, maybe? Could be. Could be. Like he's he's got year. a lot of time in front of him. Yeah, could be. But we don't know. Could be. Yeah, could be Cade Piper. Um, we're, we're talking about this 23 class. You got uh, Trevor Lauk in there who was a four star. Mm -hmm. And then you look at this 24 class and Cody Fox coming in, Will Nolan. And, you know, Iowa's hope is that they turn into that, whether they do or not will probably be an indictment as to whether George Barnett should have his job because now he's starting to get his guys in the room. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot, a lot of them. them. He can recruit. Can mm -hmm. he develop?
Yep. That'll be the question. And uh, speaking of which, offensive coordinator hire has not come to fruition quite yet. Kirk said he was hoping it would happen the second or thinking it would happen the second or third week in January. So that'd be this week or next week. We'll uh, see how and when that comes to fruition. Talking about that offensive line, when you look at the options, you're probably hoping for a guy like Paul Christ if you really want to develop that offensive line. Joe Philbin, a previous offensive line coach, who did some pretty good things with them as well and at Iowa. Um, but I, I, you guys, we have to hit on it. We have to hit on the offensive coordinator. It's kind of become a conversation that is without end at this point is what it feels like. And I mean, like I, I've talked to you guys about Lujan briefly. That was a name that, that got brought up from SDSU. He's going to Northwestern. Uh, Ryan Grubb has, has come back up for some reason uh, because they said something about it's, it's the fact that they're playing the national championship game tonight. Like, Oh, that's why that's the only reason they're definitely bringing in Ryan Grubb. Um, probably not. I, I still think it's it's between Philbin and Christ and I like I don't I don't know I, I don't know how you can come to a conclusion other than that unless your bias leads you to it truthfully yeah I I understand why people might want a candidate other than those two I get it the um the chatter that we've heard publicly and privately, has been almost exclusively centered on Kristen Philbin. And really, both are upgrades to Brian Ferentz. We, we can just go ahead and say that. So right off the bat, and, and Kirk has sort of said this too, there isn't really a wrong decision per se, at least between those two, because they're both upgrades straight off the bat. And they're both guys who understand that there are that when you have matchups, you actually have to exploit them. That when you have the one-on-one -on, -one on the outside and they dare you to throw it deep, you throw it deep. We've seen them run functional offenses before, both of them. And we've seen them do it at Pitt. We've, done, uh, or we've seen Chris do it at Pitt. We've seen Chris do it at Wisconsin. We've seen Philbin do it to some extent at Iowa. Uh, he was also a pretty well-decorated um, offensive coordinator in the NFL. You know, he was the Aaron Rodgers uh, offensive coordinator. And, you know, I get that it's sort of fine to, to be like, all right, guys, we're going to run the Aaron Rodgers makes magic play today. Like, <laughs> it's it's right up there with being Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Like, all right, Peyton, what play are we running? You tell me, you know. But, you know, it, it, I shouldn't say that, you know, Joe Philbin wasn't there to just pick up a paycheck from um, McCarthy and all that. Like, you have to really know your stuff to be the OC for a great QB. Have to know your stuff cold. And his resume is almost too good to be an offensive coordinator at a school like Iowa. And I don't say that as shade at Iowa, but, like, it's something that you would expect from either an NFL school or maybe Alabama. So if Iowa brings him in, that's a coup. And, and the fact that he's got that familiarity with Ferris and with the system is probably going to give some people a little bit of pause because they're, you know, they see that as something Kirk shouldn't be hiring for. But that is, I think, a little bit 
much trepidation for the idea that Kirk would be, you know, bringing in someone who's going to quote challenge him or not challenge him. Ultimately, it's it's just about, you know, as long as he's got somebody who can bring the offense into the 21st century, I think that matters more than, uh, you know, a situation where, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, some X's and O's sort of thing. And, and does he have the courage to implement RPOs, right? Like, I, I think that's a little too far away from reality and in, in, in what the dynamic uh, is going to be or even should be at that point. So, uh, I again, I don't think there's really a wrong answer here. I, I do think the offense is going to improve uh, as soon as any of these candidates come in. Uh, how much it improves, you know, sort of, is a wait and see thing. And some of it's just going to be uh, reliant on things that are unknown at this point, you know, like how healthy does the offense stay? How healthy does Caden McNamara get? How you're right. Like there's so many different factors that have yet to be determined that are going to factor into whether or not the offense is successful. But I do think that once this hire gets made, whoever it is, it's going to be an upgrade. And I think fans are going to be happier with that upgrade than, probably some of the reactions we're going to see once it gets announced, if it's one of these familiar names. Ross, anything to add while we're talking about the OC? I mean, not really. I think Adam nailed it. I mean, Phil Ben, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been dealing with some junk, so my voice sounds terrible, I know. But uh, I think Phil Ben and Chris are the two, you know, primary choices. Uh, Adam really, you know, laid out, why that's a good, you know, the what, what their credentials are, uh, which are obviously pretty strong. Um, I agree that whoever, if one of those two gets is hired, it's going to be a significant improvement for the offense. Um, and then in terms of quantifying that, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see for, for the health is going to be a big factor. And then just, you know, how quickly guys pick up you know, what, uh, what they're trying to do on offense next year. So hopefully it's a pretty smooth transition and, uh, and guys get healthy really fast and, you know, everything can be ready in time for September, but we just don't know that at this point. Uh, and but also yeah, hopefully within the next, <clears throat> I'd say within the next week or so, we'll, we'll actually finally have a name at uh, offensive coordinator. So we can at least move on from the speculation side of things. Yeah, because we can only speculate so much with two names for two months. Anyway, while we're talking about that OC spot, and this will be the last thing I say on it, maybe don't rely on Wikipedia for who's going to be the next OC. We got a, a somebody on our board today saying, hey, what what the hell? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you check Twitter or Google or the Iowa website or... Anything else? Nope, just Wikipedia. Maybe not a reliable source. All right. We it's, didn't... Uh, it's, it's one step up from being like, hey, somebody spray painted this on a brick wall. Any truth? Like, <laughs> did you? Were you guys taught that in school? Wikipedia is not a reliable source? Because I was taught that in like fifth grade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we okay. went to school pre-Wikipedia, unfortunately, Elliot. So... All right, I just you didn't feel... have to tell him that. You really <laughs> didn't have to tell him that, Ross. My bad, guys. My bad. So while we're on the topic of the football staff, we had a premium subscriber, Shano1111, dropped in and asked, what is the likelihood of other changes in the coaching staff? 
not very high, in my opinion. Uh, we talked previously about Kelton Copeland in this, I think this last episode. Talked about George Barnett today. And I think that between those two, I, I don't think Barnett is a guy that that is left off the staff or removed from the staff. I don't think Kirk lets that happen. But if either of these guys, Philbin or Chris, come in and say, hey, I want my guy. You know, I want my guy as the wide receiver coach. I want my guy as whatever position. One, I, I could see that happening for for either probably probably just Copeland, frankly. Like when you look at guys like they're not they're not moving on from Abdul Hodge. They're not moving on from Liddell Betts, right? And and their OC is going to be a, the the quarterback coach. So from what you know. Reading, reading the tea leaves at this point. That's not definitive, but reading the tea leaves to this point. So are there any other scenarios? Or, I mean, like, I'd probably put it at, like, maybe 15% likelihood of a change happening, and that's just Kirk's MO. That's the way he operates. And if Paul Christ or, or Joe Philbin come in and say, look, I want my guy, then then maybe it happens. But um, do you guys see anything different there? I don't know. I think you're right. The the likelihood of a change outside of the OC QB coach, which is likely to be the same person, like you said, um, I, I don't I just don't see a strong likelihood of any other positions changing. It's it's not Ference's MO hasn't been for the whole time he's been in charge, essentially. You know, if, if someone was going to move on, I think they probably would have already if it was, you know, their choice to go somewhere else. Um, so I just I I don't see it, but you can. It, the surprise is, is always a possibility, but I would probably rate it pretty low, prob, low odds of happening, like you said. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. The I mean, there's there's only going to be two reasons that a coach leaves a staff like this, and and one is if um, you know he gets a better offer, and, and two is if he's not really going to be welcome on the staff next year, and. You don't see a whole lot of guys on the staff that would, one, I mean, to be blunt about it, not a whole lot of them would be getting better offers than Iowa. And two, I don't think the guys who would get those better offers are the types that would jump at them. Uh, and and we're talking about those guys with that extended familiarity with Ference, whether it's Phil Parker, whether it's LeVar Woods, whether it's, like you said, Abdul Hodge or Liddell Betts. Like, they're, they're coaching well enough to be at, you know, some elite blue blood, blah, 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 blah. But obviously, if it were about that, then Phil Parker wouldn't still be at Iowa. And Kirk Ferentz wouldn't still be at Iowa, for that matter, right? These guys are bought into systems and, and bought in, in, and bought into culture and, and the stability that the Iowa program has uh, on a pretty unique level. Uh, we're compared to the you know rest of power five at this point. So <clears throat> I don't think there's going to be anyone that would voluntarily leave this staff. And like you guys have said, maybe if it's an OC that says, hey, I've got a guy that I really trust at, you know, it, it would probably have to be wide receiver. Because again, I don't think any of the other positions would be, um, you know, threat or uh, threats isn't the right word. I don't think that you would want to make a change at any of the other positions. So if it's unless the new offensive coordinator wants a guy at a, diff a completely different guy at wide receivers coach, which is 
I would say possible, but not particularly plausible. I mean, other than that, yeah, that's basically it. I so I would I too would say it's well, well under 50%. I you mentioned the other positions opening like there aren't going to be a lot of positions open right now anyway because hires have been made decisions have been made as to who's coming in like where's Kelton Copeland going to go D2 FCS NAIA <laughs> like and who's going to look at Iowa's wide receiver coach and be like that's our guy after the production and lack thereof over the last few years with Copeland at the helm regarding the receivers. So I, I know Shano one, 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 I think there's four ones. Um, not, not, not all that likely that, that Iowa brings in another uh, member to the football staff before the season's over. So with the football talk coming to a head, Adam, did you have something to add there? No, I was just going to make a joke that maybe it's half as many 11s, but that's, that's not on topic. Okay. All right. See, <laughs> I, I stopped yeah. myself. I had stopped myself. I was willing to let you move on. Okay. Anyway, moving on to basketball. We'll talk men's basketball quick. We'll talk women's basketball quick, and then we'll get out of here. For the men, um, I mean, man, they can't fill Carver Hawkeye to save their damn life. I'll say that. Uh, the student section is completely empty. I realize it's winter break, but it was like that before that. Um, I don't know if this is just uh, men's basketball at Iowa. There's a severe lack of energy in there. Um, being on the beat in this season is exactly probably not the season to really determine what reflects the Iowa fan base or, or what it could be because your best player is arguably Ben Cricky, who's a fifth-year Valparaiso transfer, um, and he's your leading scorer anyway to this point. Best player overall is probably another conversation to be had because I said it from the beginning, he's not going to be great on defense. He hasn't been. He's 6'9 and can't defend the rim. He's just not athletic. This team severely lacks athleticism. Um, and anyway, they're 9-6, and 1-3 and three in the Big Ten, got their first win in the Big Ten uh, this weekend. No Patrick McCaffrey on the floor, and I think a lot of people would agree Things just kind of seemed, well, it just seemed like it moved better on the offensive side of the floor. Um, and there was a sense that there was a sense of urgency and effort and energy that we haven't seen to this point in the season. Ross, you, you watch all the games just like I do. I, you know, I tend to be, I'm the beat writer, but, but you helped me out quite a bit there. Um, Am I getting the read right here on, on McCaffrey? Like, do, do you feel the same way? I mean, I'm seeing it on Twitter. It's like, he shouldn't be starting. We've been saying that on the pod. I think that he would serve him to come off the bench, light a fire under his ass and put DeSante Bowen out there. Like, am I reading this right? Do you agree with me? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a, a few things going on there. Like in terms of, you know, I, I agree that there was a lot better energy and just overall effort um, from them against, uh, God, who'd they just beat? Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers. Rutgers on uh, on Saturday. Uh, it was far better effort than we've seen in a lot of these games over the past few weeks. You know, that uh, that Purdue game was a debacle and, and so on. Uh, so that was better. I don't think, you know, I don't want to say, like, it was better because Patrick wasn't out there. Like, I don't I don't think he was directly the, the cause of that or anything. But I do think there are benefits to – the idea of him coming off the bench for sure. Like 
I think there was better flow with Dix out there. Uh, I also like the idea of Bowen or Harding uh, starting uh, in that lineup uh, instead also. Like I think they, uh, you know, Harding is a phenomenal passer and distributor. Uh, He could really, I think, help the organization on offense, uh, which would be a big help. Uh, Bowen just has a lot of energy, a lot of athleticism, uh, just really provides a spark when he does play. So, uh, you know, I think there's real benefit there too. So, yeah, I like the idea of, you know, one of those two or Dix, who I, I don't think played badly at all on, on Saturday as a starter, uh, continuing to start and then finding a role for Patrick McCaffrey off the bench. Like, you know, have him come in and try to be a, a spark uh, from outside. Uh, you know, in, in defense, he does have, you know, he's, he's a very, he's got a lot of length. So he's good when they're pressing and trapping that that's a real asset. So but yeah, I think maybe giving him a smaller, more focused role like that would help him uh, and the team better in terms of you know his ability to make an impact. Because I, I think we've seen a lot of of him as a starter, and that impact has been uh, pretty muted. I would say just a very quiet uh, and inconsistent when he's a starter. So maybe giving him a, a role off the bench instead, with like a real clear focus, like go out and do this, you know, one, two, three things. And that's what you want you to do. Like maybe that could really be uh, something where he could excel and, or at least, you know, provide more for the team, I think, than he is as a starter right now. One thing that I've noticed, and I'm glad that you guys have brought up the, um, the aspect of, you know, what role he's going to play, because I don't think it's ever really looked clear what, Patrick McCaffrey's best role in this offense and in excuse me on this team really is we know he works hard um we we've seen him at Carver Hawkeye Arena after games after women's games just getting up shot after shot after shot after shots his mechanics are good like he makes quite a few of them and you watch him on the floor and he doesn't play with the same like tenacity with the same confidence as when he's just shooting the ball around. And so things sort of slow down when the ball's in his hands and in an offense like Iowa's in a system like Iowa's that motion that they have to play with. If the ball gets in somebody's hands and his immediate you know, thought is, all right, what am I going to do with this? As opposed to, you know, I swing it around here, you know, like any sort of tentativeness makes the defense's job so much easier than it should be. And so again, like I, I, like you guys, I'm not going to put Iowa's win at the feet of McCaffrey not being on the floor because I don't think any of his teammates would. And I don't think any of the coaches would, you know, ultimately he's a guy that, uh, can and should and, and usually does contribute positively to what you're doing. And there's instances where it's really nice to have him out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure that he's a starting five guy. And and that is not a, a reflection of him as a player or anything like that. And one example that I'm going to make is uh, Kenyon Murray, right? He's a guy that came in as a McDonald's All-American to a school that doesn't really get a whole lot of them and didn't turn into that 15, 20 point a game guy and he could have felt sorry for himself he could have been like um i'm a six man i'm headed to the bench i 
I'm going to transfer, you know, the portal wasn't a thing back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s or anything like that. But, you know, didn't feel sorry for himself, anything like that. He turned into a real dynamo off the bench. And that way to find, you know, what your best role is, how am I going to benefit the team most? You know, that is sort of something that we saw through the development of Kenyon's kids, Chris and Keegan, right? Because their first year was either stapled to the bench or coming off the bench, you know, sort of six man. And they grew into their uh, roles as their skills grew. But ultimately, they were always in a role that made sense for them. I still just keep finding myself trying to figure out what that perfect role is for Patrick because I don't think we've seen it yet. And it's not really fair to him or the team to have him being playing out of whatever this optimal role looks like. And so I hope that for him. Uh, and, you know, we have, unfortunately, we know that, you know, Patrick's got a history of anxiety and, and we don't want that to be something that's affecting his play too. Uh, I will say, uh, and, and so I, I did want to make sure that that was being, you know, mentioned and we're not just, you know, trying that, that there aren't going to be listeners that are like, yeah, keep dumping on him. That's really rude of you. I'll, I'll say this. Um, Chad Lysko asked Fran about it after the um, Drake series of games and said, you know, is Patrick doing on all right? And, and he asked it very gently. And, and the response that we got was more or less like, yeah, you know, he's, he's where he should be mentally. Um, you know, not quite that direct, but the, we basically got a green light from Fran to sort of talk about him as a player and not have to worry about, you know, how it's going to affect him. So wanted to make sure that that got said. And, and two, you know, if there is any of that anxiety, you know, happening too, I think some of that is a reflection of, again, like not playing in the right role and, and sort of feeling like you're out of place uh, and et cetera and, and all of that. So I, I hope for his sake and, and for his, well-being that whatever is whatever it looks like that he provides the most value to the team i hope he gets there sooner rather than later i hope it for the team's sake i hope it for his sake as a player and as a person and and honestly for fran's sake too so just wanted to say that now last thing i'll say regarding uh men's basketball is uh yeah desante bowen should start i'll just leave it at that he is he has athleticism and he plays with a ferocity that brings energy to the team. So does Brock Harding, either one of them, truthfully. I, I, I think the team has been best when either when Tasante has started. And I think Brock would do well in that role as well. Also, if you weren't interested in men's basketball recruiting, dropped a few notes on a few local talents from the MVC CIML showdown this last weekend. Navon Shabazz, William Gertis, uh, Trevin Yurick and Davis Kern, each from schools in the state of Iowa. Iowa recruits have yet to receive offers, but that could definitely happen down the road for these four guys. Matt Gatons was there to watch them as well, Iowa assistant coach. You can check out my thoughts on the premium board at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. If you're not a subscriber yet, if you are a subscriber, just head over to the premium board. You can check it out there. We'll wrap up here with women's basketball. Big week ahead playing at Purdue. It's another sold-out venue on the road for Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes, and then Iowa takes on Indiana this Saturday. Um, and, oh, biggest news of the day, 
Caitlin Clark has cereal now. So that that's so, it. Uh, that's it for the podcast. <laughs> it's a it's a dry run for the Wheaties, right? Like we we figured she's gonna end up on a Wheaties box sooner rather than later. So uh but yeah, head over to to V and, and get your Caitlin Flakes or whatever they're gonna call them. Uh but yeah, that is again, like it's a huge deal and it's it's something that uh is better for the athletes than if NIL didn't exist. It's 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 not taking anything away from Caitlin's college experience to have cornflakes named after her. And and all the money of that goes to the uh, Caitlin Clark Foundation, too. It's not a, you know, I wouldn't care if she did pocket every single cent that she got from it, because it's not like she's not earning it. But for those that do care about something like that, all the proceeds go to the Caitlin Clark Foundation. So uh, breakfast and vitamins and charity, like win, win, win. Bounce breakfast. Bingo. Now, uh, on the court stuff, Adam, I know you wanted to hit on this Purdue game as well as uh, facing Indiana later this week. Yeah, I'm a little bummed with the winter storm that uh, I'm not going to be able to uh, interview uh, Coach Bluter in person tomorrow. Uh, but I, I think we're moving it to Zoom, and I'll be asking her about uh, the Purdue game that is coming up on Wednesday. And it's, I think it's going to be a, a tougher game than the, uh, than the records would indicate. Uh, I, I really like the um, sort of one-two punch, if you want to call it that, that uh, Purdue has with Abby Ellis, uh, Janae Terry. Uh, you know, they, they've got some playmakers there. The record hasn't really caught up to it quite yet, but I think Purdue is going to make this a challenge for Iowa. They're two and one in the Big Ten. You know, obviously they're not on Iowa's level. They're not a top 25 team, but I think that they can make this challenging into the um, second half. And I, I said the game was at uh, Carver. It's in West Lafayette. The Saturday game is the one that's at Carver. That's against Indiana, and that is going to be so much fun. Uh, that's a 7 o'clock tip. And one, how is Iowa going to defend Mackenzie Holmes? How is Iowa going to, you know contend with the new weapons that IU has there. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a great game, and I would encourage everybody who's not going to the game to watch it on TV because I think the atmosphere at Carver is going to jump off the screen. And we see Caitlin Clark play her best games when the lights are the brightest, and the lights are going to be super bright at Carver for that one. Yes, sir. I'll be watching on TV as I will be home uh, for Christmas in January because that's how my, fam my family operates. Um, Ross, anything to add before we uh, before we pop off? I don't think so. Um, I'll just uh, emphasize that uh, that that Indiana game on Saturday is going to be on Fox, Big Fox, regular network Fox. So that's going to be a really big uh, big platform for Caitlin and the women. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's funny that game will be on Fox network Fox. And then the NFL playoff game that night with the chiefs is going to be on Peacock. So um, there are just a few people a little bit mad about that. So, but Hey, if you don't get Peacock, watch Caitlin Clark on, uh, on uh, Fox. It's going to be a, a damn good show. So do that. Who do the, who do the chiefs play? That day, Chiefs are playing the Dolphins on uh, Saturday night. 
Yeah, I think I'd rather watch Caitlin Clark. <laughs> right? Right? I'm saying. Caitlin All Clark right. versus IU is going to be a better game, better show. I, uh, I I guess the Chiefs really should have hitched their wagon to the other big fan of Taylor Swift if they wanted to be on network TV. <laughs> Damn. They chose they chose poorly. They did. <laughs> they did. We'll wrap up this episode of Hotcast here. We appreciate you tuning in. This episode, of course, brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. Go Iowa. Awesome. If you're not yeah. a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Do that on YouTube as well. Hit that like button. Drop a comment. Tell us, who do you think the OC hire will be? And who's the biggest returner that Iowa football is bringing back this coming season? Again, you can do that on YouTube, but also make sure that you are a subscriber on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get this podcast. That way you do not miss an episode. Hit that ring bell button on YouTube as well so you don't miss an episode there. And once again, I am Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by Ross Binder and Adam Jacoby. We're all from iowithoutrivals.com, and we will see you next time.